Amen. Praise God. Give the worship team a hand of appreciation for their amazing worship today. Praise God. Thank you, worship team. You're all so good. Praise the Lord. Well, we're starting a new sermon series this week. Uh, calling leave your entitled leave your mark and it's it's you know it's not it's kind of a play on words a little bit but the the underlying theme is we really want you to leave your mark uh, in society and some people wonder what their mark is you are going to leave a mark whether it's good or bad you're going to leave a mark whether it's right or wrong you're going to leave a mark or a legacy a heritage you're going to leave something to the people that follow you and you can you have the right to make that mark good you have the right to leave a good mark especially being a Christ follower, you have the right to leave that mark within your family or your, 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 uh, your sons, your daughters, your grandchildren. Uh, our two oldest uh, grandsons are worshiping in the, in the auditorium with us now, and it just thrills me to see them engaged in worship and engaged in the Word. And uh, they're pretty chill. They're pretty laid back. They don't get, like, real excited about anything, but just to see them kind of swaying a little bit and just kind of working it, I, I, that's pretty cool. So uh, I'm proud of them. I'm, pr- I'm proud of uh, you. I'm proud of your families. I'm proud of uh, what you're about. And I know some of you are leaving some of your family's home uh, uh, just for health reasons and just things. It's, it's just weird. And and I, for one, wish I could snap my fingers and say, Corona be gone in Jesus' name. And, uh, and you know, in God's time, right? Uh, you know, I don't want to be political we don't have to wait on the vaccine. We just need to wait on Jesus. And I'm not, I'm not speaking to, to medicine. I, I want the vaccine as much as anybody else. I think it's necessary. I think we need to use wisdom. But I, for one, I'm going to wait on the King of Kings and, and let him figure this thing out uh, and not you know, a bunch of men, although I think he's given scientists the creative gene to, to handle it and take care of it. So this sermon series is about living your mark. And so my name is Mark. You know that. And uh, we're going to come out of the gospel of Mark because I, I like Mark because he's a bottom liner. His gospel is only 16 chapters. Like, he gets right to the point. Uh, Matthew's gospel is 28, Luke is 24, John is 21, but Mark is only 16. I'm kind of a bottom liner. I, I preach on Sundays, and so I take a little bit more time to get there. But basically, I'm a, lot of, I'm a yes or no type of guy. If I get a text from the kids, sometimes it's a thumbs up, sometimes it's okay. Uh, sometimes I'm just yes or no, and I'm, I'm not the I'm not a verbalizer. Uh, if we want to talk, let's talk. But I'm not going to type a bunch of stuff out. To me, it's just a, you know I just want like Y or N, yes or no, thumbs up, thumbs down, whatever. Mark's like that. Mark gets his gospel. He kind of he gets it, and so it's it's cool because Matthew is a tax collector, actually one of Jesus' disciples, Levi or Matthew, same name. And so because he's a tax collector, he goes through the genealogy. There's 14 uh, generations from Adam to Abraham, 14 generations from Abraham to Moses, 14 generations from Moses to David, 14 generations from David to, to Joseph. He gives us this line. He shows us who is whose and whose kids or whose kids. He's making a, a case, and he does it because he's a tax collector because he wants to know who owed taxes at that time and how many they owe taxes for. Luke is a physician, so he gives us the line of the birth, the conception, the the early uh, stages, those two full chapters of this beautiful uh, uh, immaculate 
conception of Jesus coming into this earth and being born without sin and coming to sacrifice for us. So we, we see this, this cuddly little child who's going to die on a gruesome cross. John gives us this uh, personal firsthand look. He's a disciple as well. And, and he gives us the from the third person, that disciple that Jesus loved. John's talking about himself. And I like how he thinks like he's God's favorite, which we all should at some point in time. I'm God's favorite. Janie thinks she's God's favorite. Like, I'm God's favorite. He'll, he'll hear my prayer. And, and when something takes a little bit longer to, to come through, she, she's like a little disappointed. Like, I don't understand why he didn't answer my prayer. I said, well, what do you mean? Well, he always answers my prayer. He does, but like, you're, you know, are you his, I'm his favorite, Mark. He should answer my prayer. And so we have this long discussion about sometimes that God's got a different route, okay? I mean, he, he's answering the prayer, but maybe it's not always the way we want. John thinks he's Jesus' favorite, and for all intents and purposes, he probably is. He's the one at the cross. And then you have Mark's gospel. All right, Mark is short to the point. Mark jumps right into the ministry of Jesus. And there's a backstory there. And when we read in scriptures of the man named John Mark, that's this Mark. That's the gospel of Mark. His name is John Mark. And John Mark is part of the inner circle. He, he's made some influences. He's made his name known a little bit. And he's like a young Christ follower, which they all were at the time. He's a young believer, and he just wants to do what's right with God. And he hooks himself up with Paul, and Paul's kind of like the Navy SEAL, the spiritual Navy SEAL. Like, Paul's the guy that lives out in the wilderness. Paul's the guy that gets shipwrecked. He gets beaten. He gets, he gets left for dead. He gets left in the deep. His, his friends turn their back on him. His compatriots turn his back on him. And then he says, and worst of all, I got to take care of all the churches. And you thought pastoring was easy. Even Paul said how tough it was. Paul said, I could do that. I can take the 39 stripes. I could take this and this and this. But, man, it's those churches that, that weigh me down. And, and I laugh every time I read that. Well, Mar John Mark is going to go on a missionary journey with Paul. And now if you go on a missionary trip, sometimes they'll build in a day at the, at the missions place where, you know, maybe there's a day of shopping because there's some cool shops in that third world country or some really cool handmade stuff. And Marcus and I were in Haiti a few years ago visiting the orphanages. We went to the top of the mountain of Port-au-Prince and there was some uh, really cool handmade stuff there. He brought back a piece. I brought back a piece. And we prayed over all of Haiti. We prayed against demonic warfare. You could just see it happening in the streets. And it was just, it was real, okay? It was just, and this is, where, these are the orphanages that we're trying to support. Armed guards with, uh, with uh, assault rifles standing before so nobody comes into the, the orphanage and steals them for, for slavery, okay? And so when we were toured around, our guy had a, had a gun here and he had a gun on, on the dashboard. And, and uh, like nothing's going to happen. I looked in the back seat to Marcus and like, yeah, I, I know we signed up for this, but I wasn't quite sure we signed up for this. And uh, Janie was going through some health issues. So I was, I was, I was dealing with that. I'm dealing with this. I'm dealing with the orphans. We're praying against demonic warfare. And, and so, but in most missions trips, you know, sometimes they'll give you an afternoon to go to the beach or they'll give you an afternoon maybe to go play golf or, like I said, go shopping. I think John Mark, when he signed up for Paul's missions trip, I think he thought he was going to the beach. I think he was going to go play golf. 
I think like, yeah, this is cool. This sounds really good. I'm going to admit, like, when, when, whenever the church is done with me here, I want to have a Bahama Beach ministry. I just think that would be the coolest thing. You know, I want to go to the Bahamas at least December through, you know, March, because it's cold here in December through March, and, and just have a good Bahama Beach ministry. And, like, that's my goal, but I want to do it like when I'm 75 or, or 80. Well, I think John Mark had that in mind, like, I'm just going to go hang out with Paul. And for some reason, Paul had something else in mind. Like, no, we're going to really do ministry here. This is like, you're not signing on just because it sounds good. You're signing on because it is good and because there is work. And this, by the way, when you become a Christ follower, you become a soldier in God's army, okay? You're not just signing on because, wow, this is like, this is my get out of hell free card. Those are sometimes times I wonder if they're not the people that Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. Like you were never in the infantry. You were never the soldier that I thought you would be when you signed up. Now, grace is different, and I'm, not, and I'm not trying to explain it away. I'm just trying to say, listen, when you signed on with Jesus, he wanted you to become a missionary. He wanted you to become an evangelist. He wanted you to become an apostle. He, he wanted you to become a rock star for Jesus. He wanted you to leave your mark in society wherever you go. Are you with me? That's, that's about, that's leaving our mark. I was part of a, a book reading Bible study with some pastors in town last year, and um, Sometimes, you know, when you, when you want to get the other side of the conversation, you, you have to talk to both sides. And so in my book reading Bible study, there was there maybe eight or ten of us, and four or five of them have their PhDs. They have their doctorates, okay? And so I realized I was there to be the other side. Like, here's the intelligent side, now here's the... Here's the mark side. Here's the, here's the practical side. Oh, they just want my opinion because of the, of the, of the unlearned and uneducated. And so we're talking, and this one young pastor, he was just whining. He's going, oh, my people won't do this, and my people won't do that, and my people won't do this, and my people won't do that. And I had a really hard Sunday night, and, and uh, they made the mistake of saying, what? what what do you think, Mark? What, uh, what do you think about so-and-so's problem issues? I said, well, I don't, I don't know. I'm going to pass on this one. He said, no, 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 no. What, what do you think? I said, you know what I think? I think the guy's whining too much, if you ask me. <laughs> what do you mean? I said, Sunday night I pulled a guy out of crack house and got home at 1 in the morning. And I, maybe, maybe it's not about what your people will do for you. Maybe it's what you will do for your people. And maybe it's not maybe it's not what Jesus will do for you. Maybe it's what you will do for Jesus. Now hear me on that, because a lot of times we say, well, Jesus won't answer my prayers. If you'll just do what Jesus wants you to do, Jesus is going to be there. The presence of God will be all over the place. He, he will go with you wherever you go. If you want to leave your mark, you don't have to become president of the United States or chairman of the board. All you have to do is follow what Jesus says and do what Jesus does, told you to do, and you're going to be okay. It's a win for the kingdom, right? And so John Mark gets upset because Paul sends them home. Paul literally says, I can't use you. You get out of here. You're here for the beach ministry. I'm actually here to do something for the kingdom of God. You need to go home. So John Mark leaves, okay? And there's another disciple. I think maybe it's Barnabas. He takes him back. I'm sure he's kind of, you know, he's telling them a little bit like, 
my Bible study, I went Paul on the guy. I said, I, I think you're whining. I think you're complaining. I don't think you need any of that. I think you need to treat the kingdom like it's a kingdom. Like you need to go in and say, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand because that's what Jesus did. John Mark leaves and he goes home and all of a sudden he has to be restored. Because when a brother is fallen, it's up to us to go restore them. Yeah. Amen? That's, that's biblical stuff. And so now the story gets interesting because Mark writes a gospel, and it's like, wait a second. Paul, hardcore Paul, spiritual Navy SEAL Paul, he kicks him out. And so John Mark goes back to Jerusalem, and he hooks up with Peter. Now, Peter knows something about being restored because Peter denied Christ when he said, no, I will go to the death with you. Remember, uh, Peter, when, when in the scriptures, and it's the, they're in the garden, and Jesus says this one really uh, thing, and I think it's metaphorical for us today. Jesus says to Peter, do you have a sword? Now, Jesus has never asked for a weapon in any part of his ministry. Do you have a sword? Peter's going to grab two. Like he's, yeah, let's, let, let's go. We're going we're gonna to beat this thing up. This is going to be great. We're going to fight. You're going to take the kingdom right now. And Jesus says, one will do. And I think he, I think he knows, of course, he's all God, all man. I think he knows Peter's going to cut off Malchus's ear. And then it gives Jesus a chance to return the ear and make, okay, are, are you with me so far? Here's the metaphor. Too many times are we cutting off people with the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit, okay? Rather than healing people with the word of God, which is the spirit of truth. We have to use the sword in the right way. And if we're not careful, we start to excommunicate and get rid of and knock people out when we should be bringing people in and to encourage them and tell them how good God is by the power of his word. Are you with me? So Peter knows what it's like to be restored because he denied Christ three times and at the end of John the 20th chapter he's going to go fishing it's like I don't know what else to do I'm going to go back to what I know and this is how we are in Christ I tried Jesus now I'm just going to go back to what I what I do I'm going to go back to what I know and we don't pursue Christ into this intimacy this relationship so Peter goes fishing and all of a sudden John looks up and says that's the Christ Jesus says, have you caught anything, guys? And they said, no, we fished all night long. We've heard this story before. In Luke, the fifth chapter, when they were all called, Jesus brings us all the way back around. What you thought wasn't ministry to begin with becomes ministry at the end because you thought it was silly. God was just showing you things, and now he brings you around because you're mature. He makes you do things, okay? First we read the Bible, then we become the Bible to people. So now he's in the boat, and they throw the net on the other side, which is, by the way, another metaphor for try things just a little bit different. If this isn't working in your marriage, in your home, in your finances, on your job, in your personal life, if you're not growing in the Lord, maybe try something different. Maybe try reading the Word every day. Maybe try quoting the Word. Maybe try going knocking on some doors. Maybe trying to be a witness. Maybe even wear the T-shirt, I love Jesus. Whatever it takes. And so they throw the net on the other side, 153 Bible says large fish, enough to start to sink the boat. Peter says, that is the Lord. And he jumps out of the boat and he runs and Jesus restores him three times. Peter, do you love me? Yes. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I do feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know. In fact, he's a little bit mad. But three times he denied, so three times he becomes restored. Every time you've ever thought, 
you let God down, he's had restoration for you. Every time you think that something's happened, that Jesus has let you down, he's just put another brick on there that says, no, my son, my daughter, I'm just building this thing up so that you have a place to stand, you have a place to walk. So Peter knows what it's like to be restored. He hooks up with John Mark, and this is where he leaves his mark. It's not First and Second Peter. It's not even the fact that he was a great disciple of Jesus Christ. He quietly goes behind the scene, and he restores Mark. In fact, they have a sit down. And I can imagine maybe at a coffee shop in Jerusalem where Peter's here and John Mark's here. Remember, John Mark wanted the mission trip so he could do the golf outing. He didn't want the mission trip so that he could actually win, win souls. Again, my interpretation. Peter here, and he's kind of a pop by. He's an older fisherman, and I think he's drinking hard black coffee. Anybody here just drink your coffee like black? No sugar, no. God bless you. So I just wanted to groan when I said that because that's just, oh. Black coffee. That's what Peter has. Peter has black coffee, and this guy, John, he has a sugar-free latte, you know, like heavy whipping cream, you know, like put this much coffee in it, this much milk, make sure that milk is steamed right, you know, and then, then give me a cherry on top or something. And Peter probably looking down like, well, that's not coffee. That's not like coffee. Like some, some people, I remember in the day back when some some of the generation before me, they would warm up the coffee like all day long. Maybe even like yesterday's coffee, they would have like the next day. Well, just warm it up. It's black. It'll be good. That's Peter. John Mark is, no, it's got to be a sugar-free latte, extra steam, brevet, dope. All these weird words. What are, where do these words come from? I, I don't even know what a dopio is. I know what a dope is. I don't know dopio. And then you pay $4 for something that's half full that has no weight to it. <laughs> the first time I ordered a dopio for our youngest son, because uh, Janie said, hey, we're going. Let's ask those guys if they want something. Andrew said, I want a dopio. I said, I want a dopio. <laughs> there was this much coffee in it. I said, where's the rest at? That's a dopio, sir. I said, I know who the dopio is paying for this thing. <laughs> That's half full. Smallest cup in the world, the thing's half full. I should be Howard Schultz in Starbucks. Let me give you half a cup. And I think that's what Peter's doing. Peter's like, wait a second. I want to restore you, John Mark, because Paul has hurt you. And because he's hurt you, we need to make sure that, that you're restored. Would you sit down? Let's have a cup of coffee in the Jerusalem coffee shop. And let me tell you a story. And out of that story, the gospel of Mark presents itself. Now, hear me. That's important stuff. Because Peter left his mark in many ways. He walked on water. He denied Christ. He, he became one of the early leaders of the church. When you read First and Second Peter, which is about 30 years after Christ died, Peter's around 60, 65 years old. And now this Peter is full of grace. He's not judging anybody. He's like, man, you got to love people. You got to fill them with grace. You gotta, he's not judging. He's not pointing fingers. He's not cutting off ears anymore. He's simply saying, this is how we love. This is what he's sharing with John Mark, and Mark gets it. And we know that it's probably Peter through the whole... Were you waving me down or itching? Okay. Every now and then, Janie and I have to talk to each other, so... And I was right in the middle of a good thought, too. 
We believe that it's Peter that helps John Mark write the book of Mark by the power of the Holy Spirit because every major instance as we read through this over the next 10 or 11 weeks, Peter is mentioned. In fact, Peter is, is pretty much front and center. Where other gospels say that Andrew first came to know Christ and then he went and got Peter and Mark the first chapter, all of a sudden it's like, and then Peter's on the scene and he goes and gets Andrew and then he goes gets James and John. It's like Peter is making himself front and center, but he's doing it in such a way that he's leaving his mark on Mark who needs to be restored because Paul hurt his feelings and maybe he got offended for all the wrong reasons and sometimes that happens, but there's a fallen soul there's a fallen brother. So Peter takes time, and out of that time comes a whole book of the Bible. Now, I want to say this. If you know somebody that's hurting, if you know somebody that's been hurt or offended, if you've been hurt or offended, if you've been down, you need to allow someone to pour into you, or you need to pour into someone so that you can restore that fallen brother or sister in Jesus' name. It's important to leave our mark. The way we can leave our mark is by doing that with humanity. If someone's hurt, we have to be careful that we don't just brush off that, that whole segment, that whole group of people or that whole race or that whole uh, political party or that whole this. We have to remember that, listen, if we're one in Christ Jesus, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither male or female, there's neither bond nor free, but we're all one in Christ. If we are in Christ, we are in Christ together. We're all one. And so Peter gets it. And Peter is sharing with Mark, and he doesn't do the genealogy. He doesn't do the first-hand the first hand experience he does, but he doesn't do the relational experience as John does. And he doesn't do, come from the physician standpoint of a doctor. He's simply telling John Mark a story. And I feel, just in my opinion, not theologically speaking, Mark's opinion, I feel like he's telling John Mark this story about Jesus to restore him. Say, hey, that's the way Paul is. We get it, but this is how you can leave your mark. So let's go to Mark's gospel, the first chapter, starting with verse 21. And they, Jesus, went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath, now he's with his disciples, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. Stop there for a second. I love how Jesus just gets after religious people. Janie and I have always said we've been in full-time ministry for 20 years now, and we've had more problems with religious people than we ever had with any sinner people. There's a, the religious people want to control you. The religious people want to own you. The religious people want to tell you how you should preach, how you should dress, how you should look, how you should act. You shouldn't do that. You can't go there. You can't, you can't do those things. But the religious people have never knocked on the ghetto's door with me. They've never gone to the crack house with me. They never. It's always the people who love Jesus Christ are the ones who are out in the streets doing things. And it's usually the new converts that are out doing it. It's the religious people that always judge people. So thank you for not being religious, church. Thank, thank you, Grace Church, for being the church that you are. Jesus, in the signs of John, the seven signs, I think four of them were on the Sabbath day. So here he is again. It's on the Sabbath, and I think he does that just to get on the nerve of those who are religious, who are going to tell him, the Son of God, that you can't do that. How do you like that? You can't do that. I, oh, Janie has a great story, but I can't tell it right now. It's something that happened just the other day. I wish I could. Can I tell that story? I better not. Oh, it's a, it's a killer story. I can't. Oh, I want to so bad. Oh, can I tell it? I'm going to tell it. This is, this is top. This is, I, laughed, I laughed all day long. 
she was at a local department store, and you know how they have, you know how they have like six feet be- between everything, and you know she she reads the sign, so you got you got to go over here, and there's another lady over here that was maybe Janie's age or older, and this lady here, you know, kind of a maybe had a little bit of an attitude, like, oh, got to wait in line. And Janie's in the right line. And so then a lady, the clerk says uh, to two people over here, ma'am, uh, ladies, you guys got to get in the line, which is over here. So this lady didn't know who Janie was. And this lady goes over here and steps right on Janie's toes while she was in the right lane, right, right line. And so Janie's like, uh, well, the lady said, well, you know I was here first. And so Janie says, well, you were there, but you weren't here. <laughs> I, I was here first. And she said, well, what do you think I was doing over here, a ballet? She said, I don't know what you were doing over there, but you weren't reading the signs because I was right here. And they were going back and forth. And finally, Janie says, if you weren't so old, I'd just hit you. I mean, my respect level went up to here. My respect level went up to here. And I respect her anyways. Oh, that's awesome. I said, what'd she say? She said, oh. She like, oh. <laughs> I said, he should have just clocked her a good one. Should have followed through with it. All right, so your pastors are not religious people, just so you, just so you understand that, okay? We're like... We may not be good role models for some of you. I'm just, I'm just saying. Jesus intentionally did stuff on the Sabbath because he knew it would freak out the religious people, all right? So he goes into, great job too, by the way. You were, and, and here's the funny part, the lady was her age. If you weren't so old, I'd just hit you. It's like, that's a double slap in the face, bam, bam. Let's go to verse 22. <laughs> and they were astonished at his teaching, like you are at my teaching today when I tell stories about my wife. Just astonished. I can't believe she said I can't believe she said that. If you email me, go marcus at gracechurch.tv, because he, he'll get the email and I won't. I'm, Pastor, I don't think your wife should hit people. Well, she didn't. But I don't think you should do half the stuff you do either, so... <laughs> we're, we're even. <laughs> she, hey, she went Burke County on him. That's, that was, that's awesome. <laughs> I, I just, <laughs> so if you have an email, emily at gracers.tv, and then she'll take care of it for you. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. See, here's what would happen is the scribes would pick things apart. Like, well, you got to measure up this way, and you got to do this, and you got to do that. And if you don't do this, then you don't belong. Or you can, if you don't look like this, then you can't. If you don't act this way, then you don't belong. Where Jesus was just preaching as the authority because he is the word of God. John said, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And all things were made by him. And then we sing the song, but all things were made, what? For his glory, honor, and pleasure. And so now Jesus 
shows up on the scene and Peter's telling John Mark this beautiful story like, wait a second, I know Paul got you mad. I know you're a young Christ follower. I know you're trying to do good, but listen to me right here. This is important. Jesus taught with authority. That's power in that word right there. You need to know that. Let's go on to the 23rd verse. And then, and immediately there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? Listen, there's demonic activity around you. And when you get saved, when you become a Christ follower, when you turn your life over to Jesus Christ, that demonic activity doesn't like it. Marriages start to get messed up. Finances start to get messed up. People start to get messed up. Depression takes place. We start to remember the past. The devil doesn't want you to follow Jesus Christ. He does not want you to follow Christ. But you have the authority, there's that word again, to rebuke that enemy in the name of Jesus. And yes, you may have to plow some ground. Yes, you might have to do some work. You may have to repair some, some people. You have, may have to repair some past. You may have to repair some, some situations. But as you do that, because you do it with the authority that God has given you, those things will quickly rid themselves, and all of a sudden things are repaired in Jesus' name. You're a Christ follower. You're a soldier. I know who you are. He said, the Holy One of God, verse 25, but Jesus rebuked him. That's what you need to do when spirits come to you that you know don't belong in your house, don't belong in your marriage, don't belong in your finances, don't belong in your health, don't belong in your city, your community, your church. You need to rebuke those spirits in the name of Jesus. Be silent and come out of him. We need to start doing what Jesus did so we become who Jesus was. And when we start doing the things that Jesus did, we become those warriors. And the unclean spirit convulsing him, crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed. So that the quest, they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits to obey him? Now think about that. Now, we know Jesus was all man. We know Jesus was all God. We know Jesus was the word. We know he became flesh. But he gives us an example right here. And Peter's telling this to John Mark in such a magnificent way. Like, wait a second, John Mark. I know Paul made you mad, and it's in the book of Acts. Read Acts. You'll, you'll see where John Mark got sent home. And he basically was suffering because of it. He was embarrassed. And maybe you've been hurt by a believer. Maybe you've been hurt by an unbeliever. Maybe you've been hurt by a Christ follower. Maybe you've been hurt by somebody who didn't even know that they hurt you. But all of a sudden, Peter becomes the rescuer. Where he was rescued in John 21, he becomes the rescuer. And he says, wait a second, John Moore. You have the power. You have the authority to rebuke that offense, to rebuke that anger, to rebuke that hatred, to rebuke, to rebuke that past, to rebuke those addictions, to rebuke those things in your life so that you can walk free in Christ. And it was astounding as to what took place. Now, Jesus was rooted in God's word. He lived a lifestyle of love and integrity. He walked in the walk as the worship team comes back. He, he walked this walk of life. Hear me. It's important that you understand this as we, as we get ready to close this message because what happens in, in churches, and this is, what, this is what John Mark is showing us. This is what John Mark is, is telling us. And I'm going to be a couple minutes so you can take your time. But this is what John Mark is, is telling us that, that basically Peter is 
is restoring him by life-giving nature. Just he's, he's pumping life into him. Mark's writing it down, and that by, by means he then pumps life into us. Janie and I were in uh, Salt, or, uh, Park City, Utah this past summer, just about a month and a half ago. And we didn't, I don't know who the guy is. I did, I've read up on him now. I've talked to our youngest son, Andrew. He's educated me. I talked to a gentleman in Park City. He educated me a little bit. And everybody was taking a picture by this picture. And I think we have a picture of the, the Banksy picture. That's me by the Banksy. And then Janie, that's Janie's shadow. She cropped herself out. She, she didn't like the way she looked that day. So Banksy is a... Is, <laughs> is a world-renowned graffiti artist, and he's, he's full of political uh, satire. In fact, there's 129 known pieces. There may be more, but they know they're of at least 129, and some of those were quickly painted over. Like, he painted a three-story building in London one night when a security camera was on him, set up scaffolding, painted it, and had it down for the next day, and nobody knew what was going on, so they took a picture and they painted over it. He's painted in San Francisco and L.A. and Brooklyn, Brooklyn and London, across Europe, and he he painted two in Park City, Utah. And so I I we stopped by there. I see a guy taking a picture. I said, "Hey, can you educate me?" He said, "You know who Banksy is? I I don't know who Banksy is." He said, "Well, Banksy's world renowned. He's a graffiti artist. He's about 45. Nobody's ever seen him." Now, I guess some theories differ. Some people think they maybe have seen him. Some people say nobody's ever seen him. It's, I'm not sure, but I know he's done 129 pieces, and, and the satire effect sometimes rub people the wrong way, but he leaves his mark, and you know if it's a Banksy. And in this particular case, it's a photographer taking a picture of a flower, and you think on the onset, this is beautiful. How cool is it? Like, there's nothing political here, but the flower is uprooted. And so in order to take the beautiful picture, the flower had to die. And that's the point he's making. In order for your life to be beautiful, Christ had to die. And the beautiful markings of Jesus, even messing around with religious people, or even saying, if you were so old, I'd hit you. Love that. That's class. I'm going to have a t-shirt that says that. If you weren't so old, I'd hit you. That would be sweet. Banksy's world-renowned for leaving his mark. Peter's world-renowned for leaving his mark. John Mark's world-renowned for leaving his mark. But where do you fall in in this? Because you have opportunity to leave your mark. It may be on a grandson or a granddaughter. It might be on a child. It might be on a spouse. It might be on a co-worker. It might be on a neighbor. It might be on a family member or a friend. You have opportunity today to leave your mark. Now let's go to Acts, the fourth chapter and the 13th verse, just to close. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. In fact, King James says, unlearned and ignorant. But they had recognized that they had been with Jesus. Would you stand with me this morning? Because here's what needs to take place in our life. Here's what needs to take place in our church. Here's what needs to take place in our community. Here's what needs to take place on your job. Here's what needs to take place in your home, your family, your, your neighborhood, is people have to know that you spent time with Jesus. And that's the door opener. You don't have to know four points. You don't know have to plan, you don't have to know the plan of salvation. You just have to know that, hey, I'm spending time with Jesus. If you spend time with Jesus, you'll leave your mark on society. 
raise your hands if you're comfortable doing so. I want to pray for you right now. And if you're sincere with God Almighty and His Son, Jesus Christ, and you want to leave your mark in society, I want to pray to that means, to that end. And you just receive that prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, like Banksy left his mark, like Jesus obviously left his mark, like Peter left his mark, and John Mark left his mark, and the gospel writers left their mark. Father, the people in the New Testament left their mark, and David left his mark, and Abraham left his mark. We want to leave our mark. We want to leave something behind and let us start today. Let us start in a way where we can just show grace. We can show restoration. We can show love. We can cover hurts and pains and past. And we can show people that we love them by accepting them, by, Lord, sharing with them, by showing them, by covering them with our love, Father, that we can be the person you've called us to be so that we can be a help other people. I pray, Lord, your Holy Spirit would just give us the power, the wisdom, and the strength to be all, Father, that we need to be so that we, when we look back, we can leave our mark. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's worship the song together. God bless you this morning.
lot different now. I just know it. I just know it. Y'all thought I was so sweet. I just had a mental breakdown moment. I was not in a hurry. I reminded the lady, I'm not in a hurry. You can stand wherever you want, just not on my feet. So didn't start out that time right, but hopefully she doesn't go to our church. I was really over that. So after I, after I said that, I was like, you know, we all got masks, so nobody can see what anybody looks like. So I'm sorry. I apologize. I did repent. So be angry and sin not. So I didn't feel like it was a bad thing. But isn't it great that we're all just human and we all have moments in our life that... <laughs> uh, those without sin, you can throw the first stone. How about that? We'll just put it there. All right, so what a great word. I love the encouragement. And I thought as we ended the service today that maybe you could be the person that encourages somebody. So, so maybe this week, as in the sermon, he's just trying to encourage Mark and he's trying to help him with a hurt situation. Maybe a, a church in the past has hurt you or a person in the past has hurt you or somebody you know. The, the way we obtain mercy is if we give mercy. So if you're saying, I just need somebody to encourage me, I'm having a bad moment, take out the I, 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 I out of your situation and say, I'm going to be the one to encourage somebody else. It's not about me. So maybe this week, just send somebody a text or a phone call. Um, write a card. You could just do something and just say, you know what? I love you. I was thinking of you. I was praying for you. Give them a scripture. You know, if you think someone isn't what they're supposed to be, you could send them a text and say, Janie, I still love you, even though you did that. So, you know, something like that where they're feeling bad. So that was not supposed to be shared. That was private story. So, yeah. So, send them a note or a text and say, I still love you. So do that to somebody this week, okay? Can you do that? All right, I'd encourage you to do that. So let me just pray for you. Father, we love you and we thank you that you are an amazing father. And Lord, you love us even through our mistakes and our stupidity and our, our mishaps. You still love us and you forgive us. And so, Lord, we're thankful for that. We thank you for the word today. Lord, we ask that you would help us to be encouragers to people. Maybe somebody who is hurt or broken or been hurt or been broken in their past. No matter what the situation, no matter who was right and who was wrong, that we would just look at it at this uh, situation and just be like Jesus. We can be Jesus to other people just by just saying we love you and forgive me and whatever you have to do, Lord, that you would just put that in our spirits to be like Jesus, to be the love of Christ to other people in need. Encourage one another. I pray blessings over each and every one that you would bless them going in and coming out. You'd cause favor to shine upon their jobs, upon um, commissions, Lord, who's working on commissions, Lord, that you'd cause blessings to overtake them. Give favor over everything and any sickness that would try to be upon any um, person try to come on them we speak against that and we declare as we learn today that we can declare we have the right to declare to speak to things so we speak healing 
we speak protection, Lord, over those that are traveling or those that have dangerous jobs. We say, be safe and be protected. We shield them in the name of Jesus. We love you so much. We give you all the glory, all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Love y'all so much, Grace Church. Love y'all online, and we'll see you soon. Be Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.